1: Hello and welcome to this bonus episode of the Science of Sport podcast with me, Ross Tucker. This is a bonus episode which follows on from my interview two podcasts ago with All Black legend Conrad Smith. You'll recall in that interview I spoke to him mostly about the contact load guidelines in the context of world rugby and the international players trying to manage and reduce the risk of injury. And hopefully what you got from that conversation is that there are a number of initiatives and a number of very good people involved in trying to reduce the risk of injury so that's the starting point for this bonus episode what then came out last week is an article that was published in the new zealand herald by a journalist called liam napier in which he interviews james drake who is the benefactor of the drake foundation in england which has funded a number of studies on player injury and long-term health in the sport. And in the article, James Drake makes a number of claims, statements, and suggests a number of things that need to change in order to make the game safer. The the headline on the piece is is, Elite Game is Not Safe, Researches a Shocking Issue with World Rugby. So a little bit on the sensationalist side. And then the article shares, as I said, a number of quotes from James Drake including, for instance, neglect allegations that the sport's not doing enough, uh, it's only creeping forward, things are getting worse, and we need to make drastic changes. Now, before I address one of those suggestions, because this really is primarily about one of the suggestions that is made in this piece, I just want to point out that when people come out and say that the game needs to be safer, there are not many people who would disagree with that, if any, especially those in the sport. As you would have discovered when I spoke with Conrad Smith, most people in the sport, from players all the way through to match officials, medics, scientists like myself, are pretty heavily invested in reducing the risk of playing the sport both in the acute or immediate phase as well as the long-term outcomes. Where there is sometimes disagreement is around how to do it and specifically how quickly to get it done. And I can appreciate why there would be some frustration from outside at what is perceived to be the slowness of decision making. But what I want to do in this podcast, and I promise to be brief, is explain to you one example where you cannot act quickly and impulsively because if you take the wrong option, you might end up making the situation worse. And so the sport is necessarily committed to being evidence-based and good evidence sometimes takes time and it's an eternal dilemma because we want to act quickly and decisively but we also have to act accurately and precisely and that creates some tension which i think then plays out in the opinions like those expressed in this article among among others And the specific opinion that I wanted to pick up on is a set of quotes from James Drake in which he talks about world rugby needing to reduce the number of substitutes or replacements available in the game. So those of you who follow the sport will know that 15 players on each team take to the field and then there's a bench of eight. And so over the course of the match, typically starting around 45 minutes, players start to come onto the field replacing the starters. And the theory has been around for quite some time, James Drake is not the first person to, to say this, is that having eight substitutes is contributing to an increased risk of injury because you get these fresh, big, powerful, explosive men and women coming onto the field with 30 minutes to go and that's what's driving the risk of injury. So I'll, I'll read from the article for you the following. One avenue Drake implores World Rugby to explore is significantly reducing replacements. He believes the ability to continually roll on big, fresh men and women only serves to enhance the toll of brain impacts. I can't see any reason why you can't forget substitutes except for injuries and fatigue. Don't have 820 kilogram people coming on at 60 minutes. Why would you do that when you know there's a problem of this magnitude? That's crazy. 8 is far too many. You can't leave this for another eight years because it will get much worse. Now, as I said, that is a theory that has been around for some time. I remember first hearing it maybe a couple of years ago when it was floated and every once in a while it pops up in the media. And so the question is this, should World Rugby cut the number of substitutes from eight to six to four to zero, maybe for only injuries and, and uh, um, as James Draker said, uh, except for injuries and fatigue, well, fatigue is the reason that the substitutes are happening now, most coaches would say so let's let's play with within injuries. The problem is that this is far from simple, and so where where James Drake and others have said that they can't see any reason why you can't forget substitutes, there actually are a few quite good reasons why you have to think very carefully about this before you act. Now, there are two models in play here. the first model, is that the substitutes are driving the risk of injury because a player now only needs to be conditioned to play 50 minutes and then they can come off the field and be replaced by someone who only has to play 30 minutes. And so the consequence is that players are bigger, they are faster, they are more explosive and more powerful than they would be if they had to prepare for 80 minutes. I guess The nearest analogy here is that if you compared a 5,000-meter runner, really skinny because they don't want any excess mass, to a 200 or a 100-meter sprinter who has a lot of muscle mass, that's the difference that specificity makes in how you prepare a player. And it might have knock-on consequences for injury risk. And then, of course, what, what people like Drake are saying is that when these fresh, explosive, powerful substitutes come on, all of a sudden they create risks of injuries to other players who might be fatigued. So that's model A. Model B is that fatigue is the factor driving the risk of injury. So in other words, as players get accumulatively more fatigued, tired muscles, slower decision making, they are more likely to sustain injuries. The problem we have as a sport is that we do not know which of those two models currently drives the risk of injury more than the other. So we cannot pick between them. Now in reality, it's likely to lie in the middle and both of those factors probably contribute. There is an element to which speed and mass, basically kinetic energy, mass times velocity squared, contributes to injury risk. And there's also a component to which fatigue uh, contributes to injury risk. But the problem is that if World Rugby were to simply act based on this kind of advice and say, right, substitutes three, and they cut by five, the number that's available, they could be doing exactly the wrong thing because if fatigue is the predominant factor, then cutting substitutes is going to increase the impact of fatigue on players and therefore will increase the number of injuries that occur. On the other hand, if the freshness of players is allowing them to be bigger and stronger and more powerful, then cutting the substitutes may work. But we don't know that. And so until evidence exists with which we can evaluate Model A against Model B, the sport cannot pull the trigger on this, however simple it seems to those on the outside. And so the process, and this is something that I discussed with Conrad Smith last week in the podcast, is that we are committed to being evidence-based. Unfortunately, as I mentioned earlier, that does take time. We consult widely with experts, which includes coaches, players and medical staff, And then we explore using data in order to establish which direction to go. And that direction, or that data rather, was commissioned about a year and a half ago. A study is currently being done by Bath University in which they are asking the question that needs to be asked. Namely, how does the difference in playing time between opponents affect injury risk? In other words, when a substitute comes on the field and is played for only three or four minutes... Is that player more or less likely to cause an injury to another player? And is that other player more or less likely to have been a starter as opposed to a substitute? So basically you're looking for when injuries happen, how many minutes have the players involved in that injury event played, and is it different when it's a substitute as opposed to a starter? that data will be out within the next month. It'll be presented for the first time at the World Rugby Medical Commission meeting, which is being held in London in November. And at that point, the sport will have some indication of which direction it can go. Even then, however, there are still a number of questions that need to be addressed. For instance, if you cut the number of substitutes, let's say down to two from eight, what you have at the moment is per team, you've got... 15 players on the field at any time multiplied by 80 minutes. That gives you 1,200 minutes of playing time that have to be covered in a match per team. That is currently allocated over 23 players, across 23 players. So some of them will play 80 minutes, some of them will play 10 minutes. But you can basically share the load, the 1,200 minutes across 23 players. If you cut the substitutes down to two, you would have to share the same number of minutes across 17 players which by definition means that some players will have to play more minutes than they currently do. That means that they will be exposed to more risk. They'll have to make more tackles, be involved in more tackles themselves as ball carriers, more contacts, more risk. And so it's possible that if you cut the number of substitutes, you just allocate more risk to a smaller number of players. So that's another factor that will have to be considered. And then the final one is that if you, if you cut the number of subs down and then you have an injury, if that injury is mild, that player will potentially now stay on the field because they don't want to waste a substitute on a mild injury. And so what used to be a hamstring injury that the player could be removed for and within one week would be playing again, that could now become quite a severe injury because you play on through it. Alternatively, what will happen is you'll get players faking injury in order to access substitutes. So there are a number of things that have to be considered. And the sport is, in this case, understandably reluctant to commit to a direction until it can understand exactly what the implications of that commitment will be. And so far from being simple, it's actually quite a complex issue. And the same is true for every other initiative, whether it's the contact load guidelines that Conrad and I spoke about, whether it is the head injury assessment protocols that are used to identify concussions, whether it's the return to play, we are constantly juggling opposing ideas, possible outcomes, perverse incentives, gaming of the system, what works and what doesn't work in order to find the best outcome. And so while I understand the frustration where people feel the sport is creeping, sometimes we have to move cautiously because if we don't, there are enough landmines, as it were, that we could step step accidentally onto one and achieve exactly the wrong thing. So that's a brief overview of that particular issue. Again, I can't stress enough, the sport needs as many people to raise and fight this battle as they can. I mean, in the interview with Conrad, as I said, you would have discovered that there are a lot of good people asking good questions, and this is no different. I think that what we'd want, though, is that those questions always be asked in good faith, that they be fair without undue and unfair accusations. And then I think as this case study or example of substitutes shows that people appreciate that what may appear simple from the outside is in fact quite complex once you go inside and start to peel away the layers and really explore what your suggestion means for the sport and for the players. That's it for this bonus episode. I hope that it's been stimulating and interesting and that if or perhaps rather when this issue comes up again in the media you are now armed with enough information So, that you can just point out to people that all is not necessarily as it appears. Hopefully, you also enjoyed our latest podcast, which was The Science of Sleep. Thank you again to the patrons for your questions. They really did make that show. Our next big episode, as it were, is going to be next Tuesday. It's an interview with the head of coaching for Sport England, and we're going to explore how you coach children in order to achieve both high performance and lifelong participation in sport. Many, many fascinating topics to explore on that one. So hopefully you will join us then. Until then, please do take care.
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Geeky Palmer.